Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Yeah, this is the May 1st episode. We are still in Numbers, Psalms, and we moved out of Ecclesiastes. We've wrapped up Ecclesiastes and now we're starting the Song of Songs. There was so much happening this week. This was the first time in a long time that I read scripture and it caused me to weep where he like met me so deeply in just the reading, mm-hmm. not in prayer, not in just meditating on his word, just made me start crying. And that was just really almost reassuring because there's this whole idea or fear that if this becomes a thing that I do for ministry, that it's going to yeah. kind of be personal. Of a, yeah. yeah. Yes. And the struggle with that we've talked about is what stuff is for me and what stuff is for me to share. Right. Right. So, well, things that have come up in the last week, but even today, what Kelly shared on her Instagram, it kind of convicted me that I, I held back in the last episode about things that were going on in me that I think I'm ready to share. I feel like I need to get honest about what, what God's doing in me about some things. I need to look on Kelly's Instagram. Okay. So Kelly's Instagram is just a picture of it's us in the kitchen and she's like, just hanging with my friends or something like that. And it it like, and in the last week or maybe within the last couple of weeks, I had a friend like my brother and this friend are the two people in my life who are affirmers. They're cheerleaders. She said a lot, like, I'm just so proud of you. Like, I'm so proud of what you're doing. I've always said I'm sort of a bottomless bucket of affirmations, which is why I think God just doesn't put affirmers in my life. It's because there wouldn't be enough words in the world to make me actually feel like I want to feel like I'm enough or I'm valuable or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, but she said the other day, she's the one that sent me the weight of glory sermon by CS Lewis, yep. which is, which is one thing. But then also she said, you went through an intense season of rejection of women and yet you are starting this huge thing with three women like you're getting back up you're getting into the ring you're doing hard work like you're doing something incredibly terrifying to you based on what you've been through and you're not letting it this fear of rejection like stop you basically I guess I just not thought of it that way like there was a part of me that was like that's really true. Like what I'm doing is terrifying. And I didn't share it in the last episode because there's just so much context that needs to be shared. But essentially, you know, Guantanamo Bay was just a long season of there's trauma really associated with what happened in Guantanamo Bay and the, the vast relationships that I feel like I went through experiencing deep disapproval and rejection. And so being like, starting dive collective and this whole thing initiating and I've been calling my feelings anxiety but really they're just this huge fear of rejection and being in it with three women Kelly's post I think I shared with you last week 
as we were going through Ecclesiastes and he was, he's given us the capacity to enjoy the things that he's called us to, the work that mm. he's called us to. Yeah. We have the capacity to enjoy it. And I've been spending so much time afraid instead of enjoying it. That, and like the reality kind of is hitting, hit me last week, but her post today was sort of shouted it again. I have given you a sorority. I've given you sisters mm. that are committed to you and the work of God with you. This is a profoundly beautiful thing that I feel like because of what I've just recently went through, I'm not able to fully enjoy the way that he intends for me to. And I feel like I'm on the cusp of it. And it makes me really, just makes me really excited. That'll give context to some stuff that I'll probably talk about later. But um, that whole like desire for affirmation and all of that is wrapped up in kind of what God was showing me this week. But one thing that I loved is from Psalms. I just wanted to take a quick break and let you know if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you'll love our dive studies. Our first study is the book of Galatians. We'll dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the option to participate in live online video discussions with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group, or simply follow along in the discussion in our Facebook groups. Our next studies begin May 12th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. And hopefully, we'll see you soon. Oh, here it is. Okay, so Psalm 41. I just read it today. But in verses 8 through 12, it says, The rumor goes out, he's got some dirty, deadly disease. The doctors have given up on him. Even my best friend, the one I always told everything, he ate meals at my house all the time, has bitten my hand. God give grace, get me on my feet. I'll show them a thing or two. Meanwhile, I'm sure you're on my side. No victory shouts yet for, from the enemy, enemy camp. You know me inside and out. You hold me together. You never fail to stand me tall in your presence so I can look you in the eye. Um, that last line is like significant for what I'm going to share in a little bit. But the, that rejection or what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it today for some reason, but that like betrayal. Betrayal, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's funny, there's been like a few things that I've seen in the last few months that I feel like God is saying, this isn't a woman thing. Like, I feel like I chalk all of my like emotions and my frustrations and my fears and relationships and all of this up to like this, the dramatic, like, I'm just, it's because I'm a girl. But it's not because I'm a girl. Humanity. It's like human. Yes. Right. It's not it's a like, humanity thing. yeah. And there's like some shame in being female associated with it. I think because Jeff doesn't process these things like me, he actually mm -hmm. calls it, what does he call it? Dissecting. He's like, you dissect every little thing. And he's not saying it condescending in any sort of way, but I hear it that way. I hear it like mm -hmm. it's condescending. It's a negative thing. Yeah. Like it's a negative thing, negative, but it's yeah. not, it's just how he made me. But the truth is, is that you don't dissect things either. And not the same and, way. No. Yeah. And I have a friend that we were talking about the fact that she longs to be more like me, but I was like, there's a huge gift in not being that person. Like the things that you bring to a relationship are totally, are totally different. And I long to be more like that in some ways, but just the idea that like David was a man after God's own heart. He walked closely mm -hmm. with God and rejection and betrayal wounded him as mm -hmm. deeply as it wounds me. And it doesn't make mm -hmm. me, it doesn't make me dramatic or um, sensitive mm -hmm. because I'm a woman. It makes me dramatic and sensitive because this is how God made me. Mm -hmm. 
I just care about relationships a whole lot. And I'm jealous of people that don't so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's um, a, like you said, I mean, the grass is always greener, right? Yeah. So like, I look at the way that you can see, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but because you care so much about relationship, it, I think it also enables you to see the beauty in anyone. You could, mm -hmm. there could be a person in your life that drives you absolutely batty and you will be like, we had them over for dinner and it was delightful. <laughs> and I can't comprehend that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's because I, I don't care as deeply. And so yeah. I, it's so much easier for me to just kind of write it off and like, mm -hmm. feel like it's not worth my time, which is terrible. Like that's. You're different too. I mean, it's just different. It's not terrible. It's just different. And this is what I was saying to my friend is you guys remind me a lot of each other. And I think loyalty is different for you too, than it is for me. Like you're loyal. Get, let me at them. You know what I mean? Like that's not in me. I don't have that. Yeah. Well, anger also, I feel like that kind of, I'm, I think I'm an angrier person. <laughs> than you are. And that's my first response is like, yeah, I'm going to, I am going to murder him. Like, yeah. because I immediately respond in anger. Protective, but it's a protective right. thing. It's a very right. godlike. I mean, there's a lot of godlike qualities yeah. to that too. I am pretty godly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, it was such a good, it was a good week in general for women, for me. Numbers. Oh my gosh. Numbers. So again, Melissa, like if we have if we decide to have a guest on the recap, Melissa has some stuff to teach. So she was doing, so numbers, I think you were used to texting me the same morning that I texted you. And I was like, whoa, numbers was rough today. Yeah. And I, I felt was super it the distracted one where, all week. Was it the one where the woman is called? Mm -hmm. Okay. The jealousy ritual yes. is what it's called in my Bible. Okay. So when I first read that, I was like, oh, that seems fair that the men get to bring the woman before God to decide right. whether she's guilty or not. But I don't see this being this for men. And that's how I kind of read it. But after I talked to Melissa and then I came back and I was reading it, I was like, this is God dealing with the culture, right? He's meeting right. them in their culture. Oh, yeah, totally. It was a male centric culture. And God is mm -hmm. saying, I will judge these women. Mm -hmm. You do not get to judge these women. Mm -hmm. I will judge these women. Nobody else gets to. And this, it's particularly addressing women who men believe have committed adultery, but there's no witnesses. Right. And there was no actual, there's mm -hmm. no actual proof. I, so I wish that she could share it, but she was like, basically texted me and she was like, if you want to know about numbers today, you have to come over. I cannot write it all out. And I came over and I was like, tell me, this passage is fulfilled when the woman gets brought to Jesus to be stoned the, the stones mm -hmm. and he's writing in the dirt. He's in the temple and he's not, he's writing that curse, what the priest has to write uh -huh. in the dirt. And that's the dust that he, that goes in. He's the living water, the dust that oh, goes right, in, the water, the dust in the water. And that's what she has to drink. And she was probably innocent anyway. It was just one of those like, well, I've always wanted to know what was going on in the dirt. And yeah. I, like, it was really yeah, cool. I haven't ever that. connected those two together, but it, it's so obvious now. Yeah. You're like, well, if you look at. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. But anyway. That is crazy. The thing that bothered me the most about that wasn't even the fact that it felt anti-woman. It just felt really like a cult. 
is what it felt like. Oh to yeah. Me. To have to felt, swallow and like, your yeah, shrivels, it just felt curse and yeah. Mystic so and pagan. And yep. yeah. Again, I just, that's the part that weirded me out. But at the very beginning of that chapter, mm-hmm. chapter five, verse six, any sin against another, that person acts unfaithfully toward the Lord and is guilty. And so we know that like our sin makes us any, anytime we sin, mm-hmm. it, hurts our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that I think it just made me think again about how much God values his people Mm. or just people like we're made in his image. And when we sin against each other, we're sinning against God. That's how much that matters. And just even how God wants us to be in relationship with each other. Like he cares about that. And so he's setting forth these really, really strict. Yeah regulations about how we're supposed to treat each other and yeah. that stuck out to me it was interesting I think chapter six was so was so interesting just to think about it in terms of God dealing with them within their culture that my first reaction was this is not fair that the men get to do this to the women and the chapter women. five yeah and chapter right. five Our, yeah chapter five yeah but then to look at it back in an act of mercy that God is dealing with them in their culture, pulling out the way that they behave. Mm-hmm. And like he's addressing the men, their jealousy. They have to have a sacrifice mm-hmm. for their jealousy. He's right. dealing with that too. I mean, I think that that's probably something a male, a man's jealousy for his woman is probably something I will never fully understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's, but he does and he's dealing and he's finding a way to address it, but also by protecting innocent women. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like, no, I am. I am God in this. I'm the yeah. only one that can judge properly. I'm the only one that knows. Yeah. So it's just kind of a neat, a reframe, you know, of who yes, God is. Yes, total reframe. And then he follows it up in chapter six. I had no idea that women were allowed to make the Nazarite vow. I've never thought of it. I, I wonder if I... any did. Yeah. Did the judges come out of, did the judges come out of the Levites? I have no idea. I'm curious whether Deborah might've been... A priest. Like, I, I thought only well, men could be priests. Well, was, you didn't have to be a Levite to take the Nazarite vow, right? No, that was the point, actually. Right. This is, again, I'm learning, like, Melissa is, like, blowing you. If you if you get a chance to read some of the comments on the, um, yesterday's comment, Melissa posted today on yesterday's reading on this particular chapter of the Nazarite vow, but no, the idea was that it would allow anybody outside of the Levites right. to be a to be a consecrated holy person. So it's like it's like the Jews and the Gentiles. It's a parallel to the Gentiles being like the Jews because of mm-hmm. Jesus. Like this was a way for non-Levites to consecrate themselves and make themselves make themselves holy before God. At any rate, when it said man or woman, I was like, wait, what? I literally wrote what question mark in my Bible? Like that's not. Yeah, I guess I just hadn't, I have literally never had that thought. And I probably assumed it was a man just because that's how it typically went. I've never heard of a, I've never heard of a woman making the Nazarite vow. So yeah. Okay. So the section in the Nazarite vow, where he's talking about the fact that while they're consecrated, he is not to defile himself for his father or mother or brother or sister when they die while the mark of consecration to his God is on his head. And that made me think about Matthew. And I know it's in the gospels, other places too, where Jesus is like, who's your father and your sister and your brother? Like, or if you, there's even a passage, I think it's, I think it's, I wrote two down. I think it's Matthew eight, where Jesus is like, don't go bury your dead. Let the dead bury bury their own dead. Come and follow me. 
And that just, so it reminds that. Yeah. That's a, I love it when you can like make those again, yeah. like we were talking about in the numbers passage. Because those um, people that Jesus was saying that to, they probably would have thought about the Nazarite vow because it was a normal. I wonder if they thought like when Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, you're mine. Like you're following me right now. Yes. Like, like that's they, what, that's what they were doing when they took that vow. Yes. If you just take numbers as a whole, he says that he takes the firstborn of the Israelites Yes. At the very beginning of the passage, he takes he takes the firstborn of the Israelites in exchange for the firstborn of of the ones that he took in Egypt. So they're the firstborn are set aside and they are holy right. for him. But then he takes the Levites in exchange the first, right. for the firstborn of the Israelites, like all these mm -hmm. substitutions. But that he numbered each of the Levites. There were still some leftover firstborn that weren't accounted for in the Levites, and he let them redeem them. So then the Israelites had to pay that re that price. Is that yes. what you're saying? Right. Like you still, there's always a price for redemption is what I was, is what it made me think of. Like, yes, there was always a price. All of these things had to be done. There was right. always, there was always a process. There was always a way for everything to be accounted for. Mm -hmm. And God didn't like, it makes me think of all those passages and Psalms and Proverbs where it says he's not, or and Ecclesiastes, like he, he doesn't blink and miss anything. Like it mm -hmm. is all accounted for and noticed. Okay. So, okay. Now I'm going to go to where I just started, where I was weeping this week. So I read that sermon by C.S. Lewis called the weight of glory. That sermon in it, basically it affirms that he, he kind of teases out what glory means. He's like, in my understanding of glory is fame and light. These are the two things that I think of when I think of glory. Glory is fame and glory is light. And so we think of fame as a pride thing. But when it, we go into heaven and it says that we share his glory, what it's saying is that like we become, like we became, we become famous or known by God. We have fame with God. And then he just kind of like, he digs through that. But basically saying that that desire that we have to be noticed by our parents as little ones, desire that we have to be approved of by our parents as little ones, that desire to be affirmed is a childlike faith. It is put in yeah. us and it is- yeah, It's intentional. It's intentional and it's a good desire. It's a very good desire. And that when we get to heaven, when it says, well done and my good and faithful servant, like to long for that is a very holy, it's a holy thing. It's a holy desire, which of course, Again, I've seen like my need for affirmation or my desire for affirmation to be like a weakness, you know what? And it is, it's childlike, but it's holy. And it, just to be affirmed in that was a really, mm. like a, just a really powerful thing. And so I had read that and then I come to Song of Songs in verses 10 through 14. And again, it's not broken up it's by chapter. verse in the message. Sorry, chapter two, the man's in the garden. He says, get up, my dear friend, fair and beautiful lover, come to me. Look around you, winter is over, the winter rains are over and gone. The spring flowers are in blossom all over. And then he, this is the part that really, if you jump down, it says, oh, get up, dear friend, my fair and beautiful lover, come to me. Come, my shy and modest dove, leave your seclusion, come out in the open, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is soothing and your face is ravishing. I was kind of thinking about the whole point is to kind of, compare marriage and the way that we have our lover here and the way that God is loves us the same with that same like adoration and that same um I'll just leave it there adoration like he adores us 
And thinking about it in terms of numbers and what we were talking about last week, where he doesn't miss a thing. Like when we confess, when we come and we just bring it all out, when we're groaning with all of our sin and we just come, like it all dissolves before him. Like he kisses our face and he just is like, it's been done. Like it's all done. done. I've paid for it. Like I'm yours. And all I want is your pure heart. Like I just want your pure and honest heart. And that, so that like that idea of like coming out of the bushes, I think about the garden and Eve hiding in the bushes, kind of the opposite. He's saying like, come, this is the way that he calls them out of the bushes. Come, I want to hear your voice and I want to see your face. I adore you. Come out of hiding, come out of seclusion. Mm-hmm. And then she responds that, well, then you must protect me from the foxes, foxes on the prowl, foxes who would like nothing better than to get into our flowering garden. She's kind of like, I'll come before you and I will face you and I will speak to you, but you keep your eyes on everything that's going around, you know? That's how I was like, kind of just imagining it. It was like me coming out of hiding and being like, okay. And then numbering, like that he's numbered all of those things, all of the things that I, that disqualify me from being able to be adored by him. He hasn't missed any of those, Mm -hmm. but they're dissolved. That's not what he sees when I come out with just a pure heart. I'm but there's just yeah. no shame in his presence. He just wants to hear my voice and he wants to see my face. And so that same day I was reading in Psalms, Psalm chapter 36, verses eight, in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. We don't get lost. He's not missing mm-hmm. the foxes. He sees all these things going on around us, but he sees us and he adores us. And then it says in chapter 37, verses five and six, open up before God, keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. I just started weeping. That's it. I want to live right now with the weight of glory. I want to live right now with the weight of glory. I have his full approval, not because he doesn't see, not because I'm sinless, but because I am sinful and I know I can still come before him because he's done all the work because he loves Mm -hmm. me and he just wants to hear my voice and see my face. He adores me, you know? Yeah. Sitting with that in the midst of my fears of rejection and trying to embrace the gift of sisterhood that he's given me, not just with even you three, but that's really what he's building in the collective. You know, that's the Mm -hmm. whole point of it all is to be willing to enter into the community of his people, even in our brokenness and in our, fears of rejection and our mess of humanity, but still somehow try to figure out how to live in the full weight of glory. Yeah. Whew, I need to read week. that again. It's been a long time. I don't feel like we should add anything to that. <laughs> I think we should call it a day. That's the May 1st episode of the recap. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.